Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Leslie. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh, good. I'm excited today because we are, what's the word? We are bringing back a series we did last year mm-hmm. all about our favorite Advent and Christmas hymns. Love it. This was a big hit. Mm-hmm. I think our O Little Town of Bethlehem is one of our like top oh. four performing is that right? podcast episodes. Yes. Let's see if we can so, exceed it. So hopefully we're giving the people <laughs> what they want. We love you guys. We want to give the people what they want. Give the people what, give they, the people want. what they want. So I figured... It would be nice to start. I got some new hymn story books. Mm-hmm. Of course, I left them at home. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I thought it'd be nice to do to talk about the hymn we sang yesterday in worship, mm-hmm. um, which was different than the online service. If you're an online service person, you heard people look east. Um, but in worship, in person, in the sanctuary yesterday, we sang Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, mm-hmm. which in the chalice hymnal is set to the tune Hifferdal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought we'd just, we'd start with that, and then in the next couple of weeks we'll go into sort of Christmassy hymns. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's nice to start with a little Advent, yeah, moment. I love it, and I think it always kind of comes as news, you know. To, no matter how long people have been associated with the church, that mm-hmm. there are actually hymns for Advent. A lot of them, right? A lot really of really good ones, I think. Some beautiful hymns. And uh, very, we might call them more reflective and contemplative, but, yeah. but they have a, a robustness that's unique to them. Yeah. And I think it's interesting <clears throat> too, looking at sort of just the whole library of Advent hymns, because you get kind of a couple of different language focuses because mm-hmm. you get not only waiting for the birth of Jesus, but you also get this waiting for sort of a new heaven, a new earth kind of language. So that's there's right. sort of waiting for what some people might call the second coming or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so you get kind of this double language. So I find the poetry in Advent hymns mm. to be quite um, layered mm-hmm. and complex because they kind of tend to tackle a lot right? Um, versus Christmas hymns, which tend to be like, there's a baby. Right. It's pretty straightforward. It's right? pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But the contrast is nice too. Yeah, that's great. It, so to your point, right, Those all those Christmas carols, there's a baby being born into the world. Mm-hmm. And we think, well, okay, if we can't understand much else of what's going on, you know, theologically, right, right, right. we've got that human experience that's right there, right in front of us, right. right, which is wonderful. But I love the way that you frame this in terms of Advent as a time when we're also talking about birth, but it's not the same kind of birth. I remember um, one of the confirmation students that I had in a class many, many years ago mm-hmm. uh, was doing a special project um, Actually, I think it was for an Eagle Scout badge. It was a religion badge or something. So he came to me. We're having this conversation, and he asked me about the second coming of Jesus. It's probably one of five times in my life when someone has asked me that question. (laughs) And um, I asked him, I said, well, what do you think about that? And in that particular congregation, we always used a phrase at communion. We would all say together, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, what do you think that means? And he said, I think Christ is always coming again. Hmm. 
that every time there's a decision made in the world for life, love, justice, Jesus has come again. Mm -hmm. And that's not the same understanding that everybody has of the second coming, right? right? When there's this kind of global reordering of things, mm -hmm. it's almost like the fulfillment of time. And many Christian people across the world, for them, that's a very important image. Right. So um, anyway, but Advent picks up that those notions yeah. of of that dream that one day it's all going to make sense mm -hmm. it you know all the wrongs will be righted and that is a very powerful dream and sure. it's advent in particular where that gets emphasized yeah and then so looking at this hymn so friendly reminder when we talk about hymn we're talking about the text and then we're talking about the tune we're talking about the tune because they so a little friendly so to expand upon that. So hymns are often written separate of a tune. Mm -hmm. um, they're sort of standard poetic structure. And then a tune is either written for that text or is sort of found and already exists mm -hmm. um, and maybe is set to the same thing. For So for instance, for Hifferdal, Hifferdal I think of sort of as one of the sort of evergreen mm. tunes because it's used for a ton of stuff. Like, right. I think we more more my experience, I've more often played it with the text Alleluia, sing to Jesus, mm -hmm. than I have to come that long expect to Jesus. Right, right. Um, so you sort of get sort of, you know, ordinary time texts, and then you have this Advent text. Yeah. And we've talked before about the way in which the tune shapes our understanding of the hymn. Totally. And I think that would be especially true of this come thou long expected Jesus. You know, it can be played in one way that almost sounds like it's sort of a triumphant march. Yeah. And then um, I always think about Hifferdal as this beautiful flowing tune. Yeah. You know, it just feels, to me, it feels very sweet and soft in a sense. Yeah. You know? Well, the, apparently the translation <laughs> of the word Hifferdal, it's Welsh. Yes. Uh, the translation means delightful, agreeable, pleasing, pleasant, beautiful, fair, fine, sweet, and <laughs> melodious. Can't get better than that. I mean, it's, I would say <laughs> almost two on the nose. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, here, true confession, it's my favorite hymn tune. Is it your favorite hymn I tune? I love it. Very Absolutely good. Absolutely love it. Very yeah. good. And it works beautifully, right, with this this hymn. Yes. And so apparently, so this was um, composed by Rowland Pritchard. Mm -hmm. Roland, Rowland, there's a W in there. Mm -hmm. um, and he actually wrote it when he was like 19. Oh, my goodness. In wow. 1844. Sort of an inspirational moment, maybe early really in his cool, life. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So this, this was the, so the tune, um, as far as I can tell, was actually written like a hundred years later mm. from the original text. That's right. So I want to know gap. what original tune they sang it to, too. Right. Because I don't think that's written in our in our handy dandy hymn story. Yeah. No, that's not. Yeah, because this has the date of seventeen forty four. Um, so just a little quick aside, we were talking earlier about this, uh, television series on PBS called Poldark, yeah. right? The story of a, of a Cornish man who's, uh, he's a fascinating many-sided character. And so Susan, uh, and I have been watching through the series, but there's, there's a point in the series at which, um, some really interesting information is provided about Methodists hmm. who begin to move into Cornwall, I think, in the late 1700s. And of course, that's because of Wesley, Charles and John Wesley, the brothers. And they were amazingly prolific mm -hmm. uh, hymn writers. Yeah, right. they're all over. So I, who knows um, what the tune was that was used initially for this. But one of the things that uh, we notice in Poldark is that it's open air singing 
really gave such power to Methodists. That's mm-hmm. what really attracted people. Their, their lives were miserable in a lot of ways. So to be able to go out and sing mm-hmm. was so important for them. So I just imagine these uh, you know, individuals in Cornwall singing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, right. in the midst of very, very challenging times mm-hmm. and how that might have given them hope that one day you know, the world would finally find itself on an even plane. Yeah. Well, and yeah, so this so this text was written by I mean, I guess the Wesleys. Mm-hmm. I think or I think it's it's attributed to Charles. I think that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um and so it's just it's very interesting how the you know, how how the experience of of that shapes the text. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I love the background that you provided you know, from the, the book that you had used to get some background material for mm, this. Mm-hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, he Wesley had, had created a two-volume collection of hymns and sacred poems. I mean, <laughs> so he was prolific, right, yeah, to say yeah, the least. Yeah. And interestingly enough, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus wasn't actually in that collection, right? It came as in addition to that. It didn't make the cut. <laughs> didn't make the cut. But he sold those, those volumes, sold well enough that he was able to use the royalties to convince his future father-in-law that he could provide for his bride-to-be. I mean, always, <laughs> always good. I like that, you know, his, his, his main purpose. He was like, ta-da, look, <laughs> I'm useful. Talk about leveraging your gifts. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> Priorities. Right. I'm going to build the church, but more importantly, I'm going to marry your daughter. I'm going to marry this lovely lady. And I can afford food on the table. Yeah, right? yeah. Because he was a hymn writer. Because he was a hymn writer. And so it speaks to the popularity of religion and also to the popularity of uh, of singing. Sure. Right? And yeah. how important that was for people. Um, well, they were big advocates of singing. Yes. Because you know, they yeah. famously, or at least famous to me, have in the big opening pages of the Methodist hymnal, like instructions for singing. Right. And I think, I think my favorite one, I think, is to sing, what is it? lustfully and with good cheer. <laughs> That's right. You know, they're like, sing. You don't have to be perfect. Just sing. But I really like that. Isn't that nice? I think it's nice. You sing. It doesn't mean you're not trying to... You're singing for you. You're not singing for other people. Right. You're singing for your faith. And isn't it pretty incredible that it's 2021. We we sang this hymn yesterday. So mm-hmm. there we are, all the way from 1744, this hymn. Yeah has followed, you know, has woven like a thread through right. all of those years. We're still singing it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. In, in Poldark, sometimes they will show people singing without any book in front of them because they just know it by heart. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just gathering those songs right. in, into their lives, in, right into the memory banks. And uh, so it's really it's really special to come across something like this and think about it, how it's still forming faith for today. Well, for sure. I mean, in those, if you see an early hymnal, they look nothing like our hymnals now. Like right. the music and the texts are not together. Right, um, right. Either you'll get just a book of texts or you'll get... Um, like text over here and music over here, right? Like in the old English hymnal, that little green one. Yes, you know, um, which I think is very cool. And I think you were saying this earlier that in many cases, like "Come Thou Long Expected Jesus," you wouldn't have to use just one hymn tune, right? right. You could mix it up. Yeah. And I used to love when I I lived in Scotland for a time and worshipped in a Church of Scotland congregation, and they used to have these hymnals that had split pages. So the text was on the top, yeah, and the melody lines were uh, were below. So okay. the hymn tunes, so that someone could say, "We're going to sing hymn number thirty-five 
to the tune, whatever that was, mm -hmm. Hifferdahl. Mm -hmm. But the next Sunday, you could sing Hymn 35 to a completely, to the tune Regent Square. Right. And again, you'd get such a different flavor from that. Mm -hmm. And I used to love the fact that they could, they knew the hymns as well as the tune names. Right, right. Which seems incredible. That, yeah. Right. Because it's just not part of our, our current education. Yeah. It also puts me in mind of the old Lutheran tradition, which is that um, the organist would play the melody. I mean, when I say slow, I mean like each note mm. it lasts like multiple seconds. Wow. Right? Yep. And so it's less of an experience of a tune as a note to a note to a note to a note. Mm. And you would have your text mm -hmm. and they would introduce it. And then they would play the first note. You'd be like, oh, that's the note. And then you would join in. Mm. And then they would change the note. And the whole, it would be like, doom, boom, doom, boom. And they would kind of like catch up wow. in the stair-step way, which is why, I mean, not that exact reason why, but if you see Lutheran churches, most often the organ is in the back. Right. And mm -hmm. is sort of like part of the singing. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's sort of like supporting, yep. sort of behind Underneath and supporting. And behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, versus sort of like the we worship the organ kind of look that you see other places, right. you know, that's very like front and center, front and center that's leading versus sort of driving. Right. If you will. Fascinating. This whole theological thing about organ placement, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I had, you know, and I hadn't experienced, I, my first little, little baby tiny church job was subbing for uh, a lovely woman in Atlanta as a teenager. So mm. I had to learn how to play hymns. Oh I'd again, I'd been taught to play all this like really fancy organ repertoire. And then I was like, how, what, how do you, huh? A whole different creature. It's a whole different creature. It's a whole different creature. So that was, that was such a gift that she let this like little <laughs> snarky 17 year old <laughs> play him. I, I can't believe you were a snarky 17 year old. I'm pretty sure I was pretty snarky. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. It's fine. It mostly wore off. Um, but like, and I, um, and it was um, oh I forgot the name I've every time we every time we play this hymn in church I'm like this was my first hymn and now I've forgotten it's like a um, I'll think of it I'm sure like during our live stream in, of course in 15 minutes I'll be like that's what it was <laughs> um, but it's just it's such a cool thing just looking at him 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 playing him singing um, and just talking about it I just think it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you all for joining us today. And we look forward so much to talking with you more this month about our favorite Christmas carols. Amen. Amen. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. 